This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the Senior Editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. We are celebrating at the Education Exchange our 100th weekly podcast. And my special guest on this uh, very special occasion is Howard Fuller, Professor of Education and Director of the Institute for the Transformation of Learning at Marquette University. From 1991 to 1995, he served as superintendent of schools in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and for many years after that, he was chair of the board of the Black Alliance for Educational Options, which under his leadership became one of the most effective school choice organizations in the country. Howard, teacher unions and other groups have criticized charter schools uh, for years, but lately the level of opposition has been ratcheting up to a new level. Senator Bernie Sanders has called for a halt to federal funding of charters, and even uh, Joe Biden, the leading candidate, has said the bottom line is it siphons off money for public schools. Well, I remember when Joe Biden was a loyal member of the Obama administration, which was backing charters in their race to the top program. So what is going on? Um, I think it's a fairly uh, simple thing. Um, I think that people who are running on the Democratic side today, that they need the support of the teachers union, and they're prepared to stake a claim to those positions that are espoused by the teachers union. I think if we go back and remember, uh, Barack Obama wasn't in that position. And so I think that that's one large part of it. I think the second part of it is I, I see people like Bernie Sanders as being elitist. And so from my standpoint, somebody from Vermont has no idea really about what it is that's happening on the north side of Milwaukee, has no idea about why low-income and working-class black parents want choice, including charter schools. So I think it is both a political uh, dynamic and, quite frankly, in some instances, a philosophical uh, issue. And as you know from having been out here for a long time, that has always been the position of the, that being to oppose charters, to oppose any kind of broader form of a parent choice uh, to oppose it, meaning the, the unions and, and, and other people over in that, quote, camp. So I'm not, for me personally, I am not um, dismayed by it. I'm not surprised by it. And I've always said that this issue of how do we deal with the education of our children is going to always be a contentious issue. And there are going to be different moments in history when uh, certain ideas about how to go about doing that will be on the ascendancy, and then at other points in time, other ideas will be on the ascendancy. So what I'm trying to encourage people to do is, is to not be discouraged or, or to be dismayed, but this is the time to, to organize the fight. I think also it is complicated, Paul, by the fact that um, the, the Trump administration, you know, for a lot of us in, who, who support parent choice, that is very, very difficult to be tied to the Trump administration if you're going to work in the communities that I work in just because of how he and his administration is viewed in that community. And so I think there's just a lot of different things that are uh, coming together at this moment in time 
Yeah, you're reminding me that uh, back when um, Barack Obama was running for president, the teacher unions were supporting Hillary Clinton, his opponent, and he ends up winning the nomination anyhow, which is really quite an accomplishment given the power that teacher unions have had within the Democratic Party for quite some time. Right, and I, and I think there are legitimate issues that the teachers' unions and others are fighting for. I mean, I personally believe that teachers ought to get more money. I think you, you want to protect people's benefits. So a person like me is in a difficult position because some of the things that people are espousing on both sides of the political spectrum I sort of support. But because I don't believe in either of the parties, um, it's So the charter school movement, you're telling yeah, you're telling me the charter school movement really needs to have needs to have uh, a, a broad coalition with organizations who are fighting for uh, the, the the low income community more generally. So yeah, to, I, to get, I think I think too far for over twenty some years, as you know, I've I've been you know screaming and you know sometimes people listen, sometimes they don't about the fact that the charter school movement in particular needs to pay more attention to black and brown leadership writ large in the movement. And I've always thought that that was both a moral issue and a political issue. And what I mean by that is you you cannot have a movement that, that is serving a significant number, if not a majority of the movement, if you call it that, is serving black and brown children, but the, the leadership of all of the major organizations, both at a policy level and at an administrative level, is white. And that's, that's a contradiction where we are vulnerable on because of the way that the politics are going to be flowing uh, you know, over the next uh, several months as uh, people run for president. Well, I, th- I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's a very powerful argument. I can see the contradiction. I also know that it's really hard to find uh, black professionals to work in this field when they have so many opportunities elsewhere in society. So, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? Or am I wrong in that, in that perception? I, 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 I kind of think you might be half wrong. <laughs> I, I do think, Paul, you're making a very significant point, and, and, and I've tried to make this point as well, is that one of the things that the civil rights movement did and the continuing efforts to, 
society is that it has opened up the society in ways that may not have, that did not exist years and years ago. So it's no longer true that the only profession that's open for black people, uh, just talking about black people, would be teaching and preaching as a profession. So in fact, you have a situation now where there are more options for people than the teaching field. A second thing is there is a connection between the number of young people who are graduating from high school, going on to college, and finishing college. There's a connection between that and the pool that would be available to be teachers. And that that is after we just said that there are more options than just teaching. So, so we have some significant problems in that regard. But what I would say, though, Paul, is even having said that, there are people out there who are a part of this who do have the capabilities to do some of the things that need to be done, but they don't necessarily get the same opportunities uh, as their white counterparts. So I think we have to deal with both aspects of the problem. Well, I see that the, the pipeline is an issue and opening up uh, the heads of the leadership of some of the charter school uh, organizations, uh, 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 it, re it has to become a really t top priority. It can't be just one of the priorities. It's got to be the top priority. I think so. So now, what's your feeling about charter schools themselves? Now, some people are saying that they're just okay uh, parents like them. There's no doubt about that. But uh, and there are some really truly outstanding ones. But there's also some weak ones out there. And the average charter school out there isn't really that much better than what you can get in a neighborhood school in in big cities. Uh, how do you respond to that argument? Well, I think there's there, there's several different uh, ways to respond to because because there's several different arguments that are actually being made. So if you go back and read Kayak's book, which I know you're familiar with, The One Best System, which to me is one of the better books I've ever read about the history of American education, the reality is that there's, there's been a struggle over this notion of trying to find the one best system forever. And, and my position would be, while I do support quality schools, and I do believe that schools that are not working for kids or that are not serving kids well should not be allowed to continue. Of course, when you make the decision for them not to continue, it's also incumbent on us to make sure that we have a, another place for them to go that is better than the situation that they're in. But let me set that aside for a moment, because the point that I'm trying to make here is that I think I've always believed that parent choice itself has a value. And that charter schools should be one option. And parents ought to have the ability to access those options. But because they're also uh, publicly funded, there has to be an accountability mechanism there that is more than just the parent choice. I think it has to be both of those things operating. And at a certain point, uh, a school that continues not to well-serve kids should not be allowed to continue. As you know, a part of the problem is defining what is being well-served. Because I think we made a mistake by hitching our wagon 
on test scores as the only real basis to determine whether or not schools are successful. Um, so, for example, if, if you look at Paul Tuff's book, uh, Helping Our Children Succeed, he talks about the, the work of these uh, psychologists who zeroed in on what are the three things that make a school really good. Number one, when kids come there, they ought to have a sense of belonging. Number two, there has to be a level of autonomy for those kids. And number three, we do have to focus in on competency, the ability to read, write, think, analyze, and compute. So what I'm suggesting, Paul, is that some schools that some of us might view as not, quote, good schools may, in fact, be much better than we think because what they're doing is they're working with a population of kids that may be very difficult, but they're working with those kids and they're moving those kids and they're getting those kids to a point where they can be successful in life. That may not be, every, that won't be everybody getting the 21 on their ACT or, or, or whatever. So I think what I'm trying to argue here is, is really a couple things. Number one, I think that parent choice has a value in itself because if you live in a society where if you have money, you have choice, to me it is not just for those who are low income and working class people not to have some of those same options. However, it is important that those of us who believe in, in parent choice are also working to make sure that the choices are quality choices. But what we've got to do is to do a better job, number three, of defining what constitutes quality. But number four, if in fact we have a school, whether it's a charter school or a traditional public school, that simply is not well-serving kids, they should not be allowed to continue. So that's a nice uh, balanced platform, uh, Howard, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I find some conflicts between the people who support charter schools and the people who support vouchers or tax credits. Uh, you've never done that. You, that's one of the great... Uh, uh, one of the things about your work and the uh, uh, Black uh, Alliance for Educational Options that I've always admired, that you said these are compliments. We don't have to pit one side against the other. Uh, do, you, do you think that the sort of lack of cooperation, shall, shall we say, between these two sides of the choice movement are some of the problems? I think it is a part of the problem. But I, I think, Paul, you and I have talked about this and we've been in meetings. <laughs> Uh, at some point in all this time that I've known you, where uh, I have, and I, I think you probably do the same, make a distinction between public education and the system that delivers it. So, for example, uh, I was the superintendent of Milwaukee Public Schools. Milwaukee Public Schools is not public education. It's a delivery system. And I, I do believe that since these delivery systems were not created by God, we could actually change them. And so, in my opinion, some of the people who oppose uh, private school choice because they say they support public education, I think they misrepresent what constitutes public education. Because to me, vouchers, tax credits, all of those things are, are they're financial schemes. They're, they're, they are a way for kids to get to a school. And if the notion is that we want the public to be educated, we can have a variety of different delivery systems to make that possible. So I part company with people on that 
fundamental premise, right? I, I just think I have a different view of what constitutes public education, and I do not see that my support for private school choice means that I don't support public education. I believe it shows that I support public education, but I support a variety of different ways for the public to access that education. Yes, well, uh, that's a, that's, I couldn't agree more, but now we have Cory Booker uh, saying, uh, uh, even though he was a mayor of Newark who actually uh, brought charter schools to Newark, he now says when he's running for president that they, some of these charter school laws are about raiding public education and hurting public schools. And that's one of the most powerful arguments out there that's being made these days is that they're not, they're not saying charter schools are bad. They say they're hurting the public schools. <laughs> well, what does this mean? candidate for president. That's what it means. <laughs> because I know that Corey don't believe that. Or let me say state it another way. You and I have both been in rooms where he said things not even remotely similar to that. And so at a certain point in time out here, people make decisions about what stances they have to take to get to a certain point that they're trying to get to in their lives. Sometimes they do obviously change their minds about positions that they've taken over time, which to me is, you know, that happens and I can respect that. But I don't, I frankly don't believe what what just came out of Corey's mouth. But, but I think he's trying to be the president uh, of the United States and he's trying to do it as a Democrat. And I think his calculation is that in order to do that, he has to say what he just said. Now, if Corey has changed his position, uh, I'd be very interested in him saying that to my face because I'd be very interested in the argument that he would make to support that. Yeah, I'm, um, I, I'm a little uh, disappointed because I feel like he actually could have strengthened his candidacy by distinguishing himself on this issue and, uh, and, and taking pride in what he had accomplished uh, in Newark. Uh, but but th how about this argument that we hear? There, the, the charters are hurting the public schools. They're taking money away from the public schools. Uh, well, I, again, see, see, Paul, if, if you start out with the position that I start out with, and that is charters, private schools that participate in various uh, uh, financial uh, schemes that have been developed to allow particularly low-income and working-class people to access schooling. If you, if, if you start out with the notion that we're talking about this, this distinction between the public system or the traditional public system and other ways of providing public education, then the question becomes, what's the most important thing? Sustaining the system as we know it or giving parents the power to choose the best educational environment for their children. And so, it, 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 in my way of looking at this, that is a powerful argument, but it's, it's a false argument, depending upon what your philosophical and political position is, as it pertains to what constitutes public education, and in whose interest is this supposed to serve. And, and so, whenever those arguments come at me, 
I'm not going to be on the defensive about that because I'm very clear in my own mind about how what I support is in fact a way to support public education and I refuse to be defensive uh, on that issue. So then the other argument that we're hearing more and more recently is that charters are segregating uh, children. You know, it is true that charters, a higher percentage of black children are going to charters than from any other ethnic group. But is this segregation? Uh, The answer is no. (laughs) And uh, I'm getting ready to do a session uh, on Brown uh, at the National Charter School Conference, a 90-minute session, Paul. And I've spent the last, I I thought I knew a lot about Brown. I actually did know a lot. But I've spent the last month just totally inundated in Brown. In fact, I've been over at the law school so much, they thought I was trying to get into the law school. Um, And and, and so we have to begin, again, with words and definitions, right? Because we need to be clear on what is segregation and what isn't. is, Is there a difference between segregation and racially identifiable schools. I would argue that even if you go back to the NAACP's brief on Brown, they say very clear, for purposes of the present statement, segregation refers to the restriction of opportunities for different types of associations between the members of the one racial, religious, national, or geographic origin or linguistic group and those other groups which result from or is supported by the action of any official body or agency representing some branch of government. They go on to say, we are not here concerned with such segregation as arises from the free movements of individuals which are neither enforced nor supported by official bodies. And I think, Paul, what I'm trying to say here is we... We allow people to define the nature of this debate. So, if there's a community of black and brown people that have not had a good school in forever, and a person comes in or a group comes in, establishes a charter school that gives the kids the best education they've ever had, for you to be defensive on the question of, oh, I am now supporting segregation, is just insane. This is not supporting segregation. This, this is giving a community access to quality education. And, and, and so we've got, to, we've got to not let them, Paul, define the terms in, in, in such a way that it would have us supporting segregation. I've never supported segregation. I will never support segregation. But what we're doing is not segregation. And, 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 and the, the longer we allow these people to, to, to make that narrative, it, it, it's, it's just wrong. And, and we have to become more educated ourselves, the we being those of us who support some of this. We need to be more educated on Brown. We need to understand the, the, the historical circumstances under which Brown took place. We need to understand both the legal and the, 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 the social balance that took place around Brown. I mean, for example, Judge Robert Carter, who had the responsibility to put the social science literature before the court, some of that social science literature, as you know, is is contained in footnote 11 of the 
Brown decision. Judge Robert Carter was asked in, in, in Derek Bell's book, Shades of Brown, he said, look, if you were to ask me, is integration the best solution for America, I would say yes. But that is essentially a middle-class black issue because middle-class black people, like middle- and upper-class white people, have the ability to choose. If, 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 if schools are not working in their community, they can go to places where they do work, they can put their kids in private schools, or they can get the most expensive tutoring on the planet. And he went on to say that, that what we've got to grapple with and understand is that for poor black children, we're going to have to figure out a way to give them the best education possible in situations that for the foreseeable future are going to be all black. This is, this is out of Judge Robert Carter's mouth. So having said that, Paul, I support integration. So if, you, if you're in a community where you can come up with a plan to, to, to do integration, and is it just going to be racial integration or is it going to be economic integration? And are we talking about integration or are we talking about segregation and desegregation? What are we talking about? And, and so, so I'm just not willing to, to concede on that point, uh, and I will never allow anyone to define me as someone who supports segregation because I believe that black and brown people have a right to quality schools in their neighborhood. So what I think you have done here, Howard, is taken the statistics out of the argument. There's a lot of statistics flying around on whether they, this school or that school is more segregated, and you can come up with whatever you want, and people have come up with whatever they wanted, but you've cut through the, right across all of that, and you said, well, the, the fundamental principle here is whether or not uh, families have a choice of school and whether black families have a choice of a good school, whether it be an integrated school or whatever the racial balance is at that particular school. Yeah, and I, I think the interesting thing about this, Paul, is obviously I believe that we're on the right side of history on this issue, and it pains me to see so many people backpedaling or being squeamish or mealy-mouthed about supporting something that is fundamentally right. And so as long as I have a breath, I'm, I'm going to continue to advocate for parent choice, for charter, for traditional public schools, because for me, the idea is to give these kids the education that they need to give them an opportunity, as Paulo Freire said, to engage in the practice of freedom, that being the transformation of their world. That, to me, is what I, I am focused on, will continue to be focused on, and, and I think it's important that we not let some of these arguments or political positions or, or po the political atmosphere that exists to have us backtrack on something that is fundamentally right for the families that we're fighting for. Well, thank you, Howard, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. Uh, so I've been speaking with Howard Fuller, professor of education at Marquette University and director of the Institute for the Transformation. And, and, and Howard just emphasized that word, the Institute for the Transformation of Learning, uh, uh, which is at uh, Marquette University. Thank you, Howard, for joining me. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education X website every Monday at noon Eastern time. Thank you for joining me.